Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one's set to go on Tuesday, December the 7th, 2021. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for Bama Online. Always appreciate you joining us here on the pod. We got a lot to get into this morning. A lot of different topics we're going to touch on here between Alabama football, some Alabama hoops. It's officially individual award season. That got underway in Charlotte, North Carolina. From the Alabama perspective on Monday night, you had the Monday night football. Did you check that out last night? How about the weather up in Northwest New York State in Buffalo as the Bills hosted Mac Jones, Dante Hightower, Christian Barmore, and those New England Patriots? Blustery, one way to describe the conditions up in Buffalo. A 64-yard touchdown run for Damian Harris in the game while we talk about Patriots in that game. Uh, Former Alabama products now with Bill Belichick and the Pats. Damian Harris goes 64 yards for a touchdown. Looked like he tweaked a hamstring, though, maybe. Had a little bit of an issue with that in the second half of the game. But the Pats get the job done 14-10 on a night in which Mac Jones attempted three passes for the entirety of the game. Two for three. 19 yards for Mac Jones, but hey, got the job done in some difficult conditions, and the Patriots just keep on winning, man. Just keep on winning football games, and so that was something of interest from the Alabama viewpoint for Monday night, but again, a lot to get into in the aftermath of the SEC championship game win for the Alabama Crimson Tide. You had 16 players of the week from Alabama 41, Georgia 24. Of course, you figured the entire offensive line would be up for those Player of the Week honors, and it certainly played out that way. The starting five, plus Kendall Randolph, the veteran, tight end slash offensive tackle, honored on Monday by the Alabama coaching staff, Jamison Williams, coming off his latest monster performance This time in a win over the Georgia Bulldogs, honored as well. John Mechie, unfortunately, had his game and his junior season cut short, as we now learned, with that ACL injury. But Mechie, before going out there in the second quarter, had 97 receiving yards, so he's honored as well. And, of course, Bryce Young, SEC Championship game MVP on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, He is a selection for Player of the Week honors. Defensively, Will Anderson once again, one of your defensive players of the week. Jordan Battle, DeMarco Hellams, the two safeties that were outstanding throughout Saturday night's game. They're honored as well. And middle linebacker Henry Toa Toa. He's become more of a fixture in this Player of the Week stuff with the Alabama coaching staff. Uh, the Tennessee transfer, one of those defensive players honored. And then a pretty good list of special teamers, including a guy who made it both as the offensive player of the week and also as a special teams player of the week in Jamison Williams, a tone-setting play by Jamison Williams against the Bulldogs while covering a punt. James Burnup, one of your special teams players of the week for Alabama, delivered that 50-yarder, and Jamison Williams, almost simultaneous to the catch, 
there on the return, made the stop, big, big play early in the game. Will Reichard good on a couple of field goal attempts and his extra points as well. He's a special teams player of the week. Kyrie Jackson, speaking of James Burnett punts, had a nice play there. On Burnett's second punt of the game against Georgia, it was Kyrie that was there down inside the five to down that boot from the Aussie, James Burnett. So those are your 16 count them 16 players of the week for the Alabama Crimson Tide following that SEC championship game win over the dogs now you also had Alabama's team banquet Sunday night uh, as is traditionally the case that Sunday night after the final game or maybe that first Sunday sometimes it is uh, in the month of December but it's always a big affair because a lot of guys get honored you like to see that but it culminates with the permanent team captains being revealed and this year for the 2021 Alabama Crimson Tide Evan Neal, Fedarian Mathis, Will Anderson and Bryce Young pretty significant that two second-year players, this is a scenario we had outlined here on the podcast and at BamaOnline.com throughout the season, really. Charlie Potter and myself had thrown it around uh, months ago, actually, when this team was really starting to take shape. And it came to fruition with Will Anderson and Bryce Young, two true sophomores, two of your permanent team captains for Alabama, uh, good for Fedarian Mathis, by the way. This is a guy who, early on in his career, it kind of looked like he might just be sort of a mid-rotation guy at best. Uh, he, involved, he evolved into a bit of a playmaker, as we've seen. Look, I didn't have, put it this way, Fedarian Mathis, whether he was a fourth or fifth-year player eventually, I still didn't have, in my mind, Uh, four years ago or so, Fedarian Mathis being a sort of 10 tackle for loss, eight sacks kind of guy. Uh, But that's what he's become. So good for Fedarian Mathis. Evan Neal has started at three different positions during his time at Alabama. So he has certainly been a staple for that Alabama offensive line. And barring injury, uh, certainly you expect Evan Neal to be one of those three and outs that have become commonplace for the Alabama program under Nick Saban. All you need to know about Bryce Young is that as a second-year player, he was not only a permanent team captain for this team, he was voted MVP by his teammates. I think that tells you everything else you need to know about Bryce Young other than the statistical production and what, well, your eyes tell you on pretty much a weekly basis. Now, You're starting to see the individual awards circuit get underway. That was the case again, as we mentioned earlier, in Charlotte, North Carolina, Monday night, as Will Anderson wins the Bronco Nagurski Trophy. Will Anderson becomes the second Alabama player to win the Nagurski, which annually goes to college football's top defensive player, Jonathan Allen, the other Alabama player, 2016. Now, the award was implemented in 1993, so you're talking about after a wave of that 1992 defense that certainly you could have had some candidates for that award. You had prior to that guys like Cornelius Bennett and, of course, the late great Derek Thomas. Um, So it is, though, Will Anderson with one National Defensive Player of the Year award already under his belt, but as we also learned on Monday, he will not be one of 
the Heisman Trophy finalists. Just one defensive player among those four finalists. Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end from Michigan. Uh, so there you go. Try to make some sense of it once again, where Will Anderson is concerned. And same thing for the Buckus Award, as we saw here in the last week. N'Kobe Dean of Georgia, outstanding player. I'm a big fan of both these guys, Aiden Hutchinson, N'Kobe Dean. But look, we all know Will Anderson has produced a season for all time. It's a season that has Anderson maybe not entirely on Derek Thomas's street, but he is certainly in that neighborhood with Derek Thomas. When you talk about those 39, 39, 39 and a half tackles for loss back in 1988 for DT. Um, and you don't want, here's the thing too, in sort of making this case for Will Anderson as a Heisman finalist, you don't want that to sort of diminish uh, his absence to diminish from Bryce Young's upcoming big night either. You know, it could have been as simple as for some voters, a lot of voters. And there are a lot of Heisman Trophy voters out there. Uh, They may have looked at it like, I'm just not putting two Alabama guys in my top three or four. That's just not going to happen. Top three, I think it is. So uh, it could have played out that way, and that's fine. But you also can't tell me that the Defensive Player of the Year uh, isn't worthy of that top four spot you know put it this way the defensive player who is a finalist um isn't the best defensive player in the country because the guy who is got his just due in charlotte on monday night now some other things we'll start to get into in the next few days the coming weeks certainly the injury situation for this alabama football team you got to think there's some some positive stuff in the not too distant horizon for guys like Brian Robinson, who obviously wasn't 100% there heading into the SEC championship game. JoJo Earl at the wide receiver position. Also, that punt return option that JoJo Earl is. The true freshman has been out of the lineup for a few weeks now as well. Haven't seen Jalen Armour Davis, the corner, in the last couple of games with a hip injury. Even Darian Dahlcourt with that ankle injury. Um, you know, at the center position, that sort of paved the way for Seth McLaughlin, who was outstanding, as we know, in the win over Georgia last Saturday. But you also have to try to figure out how you're going to backfill for the departure from the lineup of John Mechie with that knee injury. And the tough thing with Mechie is that, you know, the volume which he amassed over the course of the season. This wasn't a guy who was, you know, three or four catches a game. John Mechie was, you know, more along the lines of six, seven, seven, seven and a half catches a game. So a lot of targets you had invested in John Mechie. So how are you going to go about redistributing those targets? Certainly you could tack on a few more to Jamison Williams. I don't think any Alabama fan would have a problem with that. But one of the real strengths of this offense, despite the big, big years for both John Mechie and Jamison Williams, is that Bryce Young has done a really nice job of spreading the wealth. Of course, each and every week, Mechie and Williams were going to go into games and come out of games as the top targets for Bryce Young. But again, with Slade Bolden, with Jalil Billingsley, Cameron Latou, the backs that you were able to get involved in the passing game as well, 
uh, it'll be interesting to see who tacks on maybe a few more touches, a few more targets as this team gets ready for Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl coming up on New Year's Eve. Also, be careful, folks, right? It's that time of year because you get through the SEC championship game or you have that gap between uh, the end of the regular season, the end of the the SEC championship game, and uh, a lot of positivity out there or talk or chatter about, well, guys who have been out maybe – you know, for an extended stretch, maybe almost the entirety of the regular season. Going to get them back. Going to get them back now for the postseason, for the college football playoff. Just be careful with that. I think we've learned a, f- a little bit about that with Christopher Allen um, and maybe even Jace McClellan. There's been some positive stuff. There's no doubt about that. And it's great to see a guy like Jace McClellan obviously making positive strides and coming back from the knee injury he sustained against Ole Miss in early October, but man, we can let our imaginations sometimes run away with us. And I understand some of that because a year ago at this time, what were we talking about? We were talking about uh, Jalen Waddell. Was he going to be able to go uh, perhaps in the college football playoff? And if not against Notre Dame in the semifinal, well, then maybe the national championship game against the Ohio State Buckeyes. And it played out that way. So, you know, I get the excitement. Just just be careful with what you run with out there. A lot of stuff out there. A lot of assumptions get made. Just uh, just wait on your head coach maybe to fill you in a little bit. And certainly at BamaOnline.com, if we hear anything or know of anything, we're going to inform you first right there on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans everywhere. Now, what about newcomers this season? You know, Last week on the podcast, we did sort of a five-star review from the 2021 cycle. And look, a lot of it was developmental guys, especially where the lines of scrimmage were concerned. But you did have some defenders, especially guys like Dallas Turner. Turner comes up big in the SEC championship game with that sack of Stetson Bennett there in the first quarter to force a Georgia field goal. Kool-Aid McKinstry made his second straight start in place of Jalen Armour Davis in the SEC championship game. Took a few lumps, drew a few flags, but um, that'll happen from time to time when you a uh, true freshman corner in a, in a stage and a setting like that against that type of competition. But in terms of impactful newcomers, man, the dynamic has just changed because with the transfer portal out there now, um, you know, with the level at which Alabama still continues to recruit not only the high school players, but the junior college players as well, uh, you've got and walk-ons, for that matter. It's not always just scholarship guys either, and a case could be made for a guy like Neilan Bennett Hibbett, excuse me, Neilan Hibbett as the true freshman snapper for Alabama. Um, you know, he won the job as a walk-on. Now, you know, these guys, even as specialists that are walk-ons, they're targeted during the recruiting process. You know, I think the perception a lot of times is that some of these snappers and punters and kickers just sort of sort of just show up at the doorstep and say, hey, I'd like to give it a shot. And, you know, there are those rare instances where that is the case. But let's say each and every summer, we talk so much about Alabama summer camps and football camps, and they're huge uh, for positional guys, whether they're quarterbacks, defensive linemen, you name it. But Alabama also has a specialist camp every summer. So there is some familiarity with the guys that end up coming on campus. So uh, Neil Hibbett with a nice job this season as the snapper. But again, Kyrie Jackson, a junior college 
transfer comes in. Hasn't been as much of a factor yet at the cornerback position, although you did see him late, late in the game uh, against Georgia last Saturday. He was out there at uh, one of those corner spots and has done a nice job on special teams. We talked about it earlier in the podcast. He downs the punt from James Burnup there uh, to pin the dogs inside the five. Then you have some freshmen like Robbie Oots on the offensive side of the ball. Unfortunately, Oots has sustained a foot injury here in the last few weeks, uh, knocking him out of action. Ja'Cory Brooks, another true freshman on the offensive side of the ball, uh, heroic in his play, coming on after Jamison Williams went out with the targeting penalty in the first half. Down on the plains, Brooks makes that game-tying touchdown grab in the final seconds of regulation to send that game to overtime. you got James Burnup, the Aussie, uh, coming over as a true freshman, a guy who before he made his way to Alabama, I think the expectation was he was going to go to Ole Miss next year. Uh, So he kind of got pushed up a little bit. We talked about Dallas Turner. And then the transfer portal, so, so good to this Alabama team in 2021. I think you got to look at the top two most impactful newcomers for Alabama this season. One is Jamison Williams. There's no debate about that. No arguing the number one spot. And then I think you got to look at Henry Toa Toa. Henry Toa Toa, 100 tackle guy. So you've got a potential Fred Bolitnikoff award winner in Jamison Williams that you brought in from Ohio State. Laughable now to think that a lot of Ohio State fans talked about Jamison Williams in a way in which, you know, he was a number five or six receiver or something. Because, you know, Ohio State was just so loaded. And they were. Don't get me wrong. Big time receivers at Ohio State. But Jamison Williams showed you that maybe there could have been a little extra room. Maybe a little more vacancy at the end for Jamison Williams to occupy than we were first led to believe upon his departure from Columbus. But Jamison Williams with a All-American type season. So those are sort of the newcomers. Newcomers, not just true freshmen, not just transfers, not just JUCO guys. Um, newcomers in general, not just walk-ons. I'd have to go Jamison Williams 1, Henry Toa Toa 2, Dallas Turner 3. I'm actually going to go James Burnup 4. Not that he had a huge season in his first season as the punter, but he certainly, in his most recent performance, came up big. Kool-Aid would be right there, along with Ja'Cory Brooks probably together. And then I've got like Oots, Kyrie Jackson, Hibbett at the long snapping position. We talk about individual awards, and again, we're about to hit a stretch where it kicks into overdrive with the Home Depot College Football Awards show set for this Thursday evening, December the 9th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. That will air the award show on ESPN. Not quite the lengthy list. And last year, as you recall, unfortunately for Devontae Smith and Mac Jones and um, you know Landon Dickerson, Alex Leatherwood, Najee Harris, even Steve Sarkeesian as a Broyles Award candidate, everything, everything was virtual. So we didn't have these type of award ceremonies uh, like we're going to rejoin having this year. But you're going to have a stretch coming up here, certainly, when you talk about Thursday night uh, with the Home Depot uh, College Football Award Show 
Uh, Will Anderson going to continue to be a part of that narrative? You're going to have the Bednarik uh, at the award show. Um, that's the defensive player of the year as well to go along with the Nagurski. You're going to have Will in that mix. Jordan Davis, who was in that mix here on Monday night for the Nagurski. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame in there. And Kayvon Thibodeau, another finalist in the Nagurski uh, that was in that with Anderson uh, on Monday night. He's in that mix as well. And then you look at Jamison Williams. We talked about it a little bit earlier with the Blitnikoff Award. You got David Bell of Purdue, uh, Jordan Addison, wide receiver from Pitt. Those three guys are your finalists for the Blitnikoff Award. Some quarterback awards that are certainly out there, including the Davey O'Brien, which Bryce Young is a finalist along with C.J. Stroud, a fellow Heisman Trophy finalist in C.J. Stroud, and another fellow Heisman Trophy uh, finalist in Kenny Pickett, the quarterback from Pitt. So those are your three Davey O'Brien award finalists. The nation's best quarterback is whom that award goes to. Maxwell Award, you're going to have the Walter Camp Award, uh, both of those going to the either player of the year, the most outstanding player in college football, where the Maxwell is concerned, Bryce is in there with Kenneth Walker III, the outstanding running back from Michigan State. Kenny Pickett once again in the mix for the Maxwell. The Walter Camp, a most outstanding player in college football. Bryce once again, Walker of Michigan State again, Pickett a pit. Aiden Hutchinson shows up in this one as well. And then Jordan Davis, another defensive player. So, In the Walter Camp, which goes to the most outstanding player, you actually have two defensive players not named Will Anderson. Interesting, huh? And then on Saturday, of course, you're going to have the Heisman Trophy ceremony in New York City. Uh, Your four finalists, Hutchinson, Pickett, Stroud, and the anticipated winner, the assumed winner in Bryce Young, your quarterback at the University of Alabama. If you're wondering about maybe some – times for again these shows and these ceremonies we gave you the home depot college football award show set for saturday at six central and then saturday night you'll have that heisman ceremony set for 7 p.m central on espn that's going to time out pretty good if you're an alabama fan because as we'll talk about later in the podcast you're going to have alabama hoops pretty much late night 9 p.m central tip for alabama and houston in a showdown of top 10-ish type teams set for Coleman Coliseum. So that should be a good one on Saturday night. You'll have the Heisman. You know, Hopefully they'll get that in, and Bryce will be able to pick up uh, the second consecutive Heisman trophy for an Alabama player following Devontae Smith from a year ago. And then you'll have Bama Hoops. You'll have Bama Hoops at 9 PM. Man, when you think about last year, too, we were talking about this a minute ago with the the individual awards, just absolutely crazy. Just to go back and look at it again, just to, it was crazy a year ago. But when you talk about between, say, the Heisman and the National Player of the Year awards, the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award, the Davey O'Brien, the Joe Moore Award for the top offensive lineman in college football, uh, the Horning, the Outland Trophy, the Blitnikoff, the Remington, which goes to the top center, the Doak Walker, which goes to the top running back, the Broyles Award to the top assistant. Alabama had 13 Ws 
in those awards. It's just crazy, even when you look at it. Today, a year later, just uh, running it down, Devontae Smith, one, two, three, four, five, six individual awards. Mac Jones with two. Again, we talked about the Alabama offensive line. Alex Leatherwood wins the Outland Trophy a year ago. Dickerson wins the Remington. Najee Harris wins the Doak Walker. Amazing. I just don't know. I, I can't imagine a more decorated team than the one we saw a year ago. Hey, uh, never too early to start thinking about that national semifinal, right, in the Cotton Bowl. I'm not going to get too nuts and boltsish on Cincinnati just yet. going to kind of let that marinate a little bit. But, you know, I was thinking about it in sort of comparison to, say, college basketball. And when I initially look at the Cincinnati team, kind of reminds me of that mid-major in basketball that is loaded, or at least used to be before the portal became so prevalent in college basketball as well. And you would see guys, or you see guys now, make that move from mid-major to high-major via the transfer portal. But sort of like a butler in hoops from, say, eight, nine, ten years ago, Brad Stevens, when he got that thing going up in, ironically enough, Indianapolis, a place this Alabama football team would like to end up here uh, on January the 10th. Kind of like Butler and Duke in that 2010 uh, NCAA tournament national championship game. You've got 12 first-team All-AC members for this Cincinnati team, including the Offensive Player of the Year and quarterback Desmond Ritter, the Defensive Player of the Year and cornerback Sauce Gardner, And 11 of those 12 first-team All-AAC members, either juniors or seniors, seven of them are seniors, and more than a few of those are grad students. So we're not just talking about third- and even fourth-year guys. We're talking about some grad students on this Cincinnati team that really helped lead the way. You know, defensively, a team that's going to base out of a 3-3-5, so maybe a little bit like Ole Miss and Arkansas. Although, when you look at Cincinnati, the Bearcats have a outside linebacker, an outstanding outside linebacker, and Darian Beavers goes 6'4", 255. So they can transition to a four-down front pretty quickly, And there are going to be some references, certainly. Prepare yourself. And you've probably already heard them. Cincinnati played Georgia off its feet last year uh, in the Peach Bowl. No disputing that. That was a game I thought Cincinnati should have won. But you also have to remember, Georgia had several starters opt out of that game, including, you don't anticipate seeing this in opt-outs, but three team captains for Georgia opted out. Now, I think there were some injury issues with some of this as well. But Monty Rice, Ben Cleveland, Eric Stokes, uh, three team captains didn't play in the game. I think you had close to nine or ten Georgia players that were significant to the dogs, either starting lineup and or two deep that did not play against the Bearcats. You might also hear some 2009 Sugar Bowl talk in the coming days and weeks. Uh, of course, if you're an Alabama fan, you remember that one. Uh, for the loss to Utah down in New Orleans on the heels of that 2008 SEC championship game loss to the Florida Gators. Again, different circumstances altogether than a college football playoff semifinal. You're coming off a loss in your conference championship. 
you're out of the mix for a national championship. As you recall from that game against Utah, you find out you're not going to have probably your best player on that 2008 team. Certainly the NFL draft would uh, seem to agree with that in 2009. Andre Smith ends up out for that game. So that was a team just looking to get to the finish line. Entirely different dynamic when you're talking about playing for a national championship. You know what else we got coming up? in just a little bit more than a week's time, and we'll talk about it after this break. We've got the early signing period for football, just a little more than a week away. Big recruiting weekend coming up in Tuscaloosa. We'll touch on that right after this. So again, a big recruiting weekend in front of us, and certainly – Hank South, Tim Watts, our outstanding recruiting staff there at BamaOnline.com are going to literally take you by your little paw and walk you through the entire process as only they can do it. And so official visitors expected on campus this weekend should be a fun weekend, right? To be in Tuscaloosa, you're going to have some really good hoops on Saturday night with Houston. You're going to have what you would expect to be a celebration of Bryce Young winning the fourth Heisman Trophy in UA program history. The first quarterback expected to do so in Bryce Young. So a festive, festive weekend coming up. Uh, in T-Town, and among the visitors, really you're going to have, right now it looks like anyway, and man, I'll tell you, Hank has an outstanding piece that he dropped on Friday there on, excuse me, on Monday, I'm already trying to get to the weekend, um, that he put up for us there, where he pretty much just gives you a where it's at, where Alabama sits, what's coming up. Position by position, you're going to get a thorough, in-depth breakdown at BamaOnline.com from Hank South. Really good stuff from Hank. I certainly encourage you to check it out. But among the official visitors that Hank mentions in that piece, a couple of three of those guys are already Alabama commitments. Five stars, Jeremiah Alexander, the edge defender, outstanding edge defender from Thompson High School in the Birmingham area, Emmanuel Henderson, the running back slash athlete from South Alabama, committed to Alabama early in the process, Traquan Fagans, the defensive back, a teammate of Jeremiah Alexander's at Thompson High School, already committed, expected to be in town this weekend as well. And then you've got some guys that are either committed elsewhere or have previously committed elsewhere and have maybe extended and or reopened the recruiting process. And Jacoby Matthews, a safety from the state of Louisiana, former LSU commitment, looks like Texas A&M, very much involved in his recruitment. He's anticipated on campus this weekend. A.J. Allen, a running back, committed to TCU from Monroe, Louisiana, Uh, also being welcomed to Tuscaloosa this weekend. Running back position, as we know, it's kind of taken on a little bit of a change of direction. Uh, Maybe a couple injuries to Roydell Williams, Jason McClellan have factored into that. Um, Could be that A.J. Allen is viewed as more of a contingency option, something I think Hank notes there in his piece. And then you still have the transfer market you have to consider, not just with running back, but really 
across the roster. Um, the access to uh, transfers and you know having that ability now to to make that move without the penalty of sitting out a year could be a guy like Jameer Gibbs that we've talked about on the podcast in the past, the Georgia Tech transfer, maybe he's in play. And then you also have a commitment watch for later this evening. Oh, by the way, Isaiah Bond of Buford High School over in the state of Georgia, could he become commitment 21, number 21 for the 2022 cycle for Alabama later this evening? Well, you're going to be able to watch him do his thing. Isaiah Bond will make his commitment known at 6.30 Central on CBS Sports HQ. Bond previously committed to Florida. Uh, He has a teammate, Jake Pope, who is committed to Alabama. Uh, And so there are ties, certainly, to that Buford program over in Georgia. I think, what, Dylan Lee, the former Alabama linebacker, was a Buford guy. Um, So, yeah, some nice ties there. For the Alabama program, uh, not just limited to Dylan Lee either, or you know Jake Pope coming on board as a commitment for the 2022 cycle. But I mean, when you talk about guys who have made some pretty significant impacts here in the very recent past, what about Seth McLaughlin, the former Buford product, uh, at the center position for Alabama in that SEC championship game win? over the Georgia Bulldogs. So again, you'll be able to check out Isaiah Bond's commitment Tuesday, later this evening at 6.30 Central on CBS Sports HQ. And again, big, big matchup on the hardwoods on Saturday evening at Coleman Coliseum, Alabama coming off that 91-82 to win over the Gonzaga Bulldogs out in Seattle, vaults the Crimson Tide all the way up to ninth in the latest Associated Press poll. Alabama, in terms of net rankings, the initial net rankings, which kind of puts everything that matters into a pot and gives you a rankings index for college basketball teams. Alabama more in the mid-teens in net. Houston comes into Tuscaloosa at number four. Number four overall in net so a very formidable opponent coming to town um when you talk about the houston cougars uh alabama good news early in the week as Jaden shackford after that outstanding performance against gonzaga last saturday night is your sec player of the week sec freshman of the week jd davison scored 20 of his own in the win over the Zags. Four threes for J.D. Davison. Six threes in the win over Gonzaga. Four, uh, Jaden Shackelford. He was really on fire uh, in the first half. Wasn't bad in the second half. Javon Quinterly kind of picked it up there in the second half as well. But the Crimson Tide looks to stay hot against quality competition. Can't say Nate Oates doesn't schedule up. Can't say that about this guy. You go from Gonzaga, which was essentially a road game. I know it was technically a neutral floor in Seattle, but anything but based on the crowd breakdown. Now you welcome uh, a very, very, very capable Houston team. Uh, Kelvin Sampson is always going to have a tough basketball team. When you look at this Houston team, uh, they've scored, gosh, got a win over Alcorn State. Uh, on Monday night, and I think 
Houston's point total over the last three games is like 287. So averaging about 90 points per game in their last three games. Now, I understand we're talking about Northwestern State. We're talking about Bryant. And again, most recently, a win over Alcorn State on Monday night. But they will get after you defensively as well. Uh, Not just averaging right around 80 points per game. Houston hasn't given up more than 58 in an extended stretch. I think the lone game in the last six or seven that Houston has given up more than 58 points was a loss to Wisconsin, which notoriously is known for being able to get you into some rock fights. And that appeared to be the case in that loss to Wisconsin, a two-point loss to the Badgers. But again, another nice matchup for Alabama men's hoops. And then you turn right around early next week and take on the Tigers of Memphis. Memphis struggling here of late under Penny Hardaway, even with all of the talent, all of the uh, uh, what they've been able to do on a consistent basis on the recruiting trail. Uh, looks a little rudderless these days, does Memphis, but it could turn around pretty quickly. We'll see how Penny responds to this. I think it's three-game losing streak. Lost Ole Miss over the weekend in Oxford, Memphis did. Well, that's going to do it for a Tuesday edition of the Bama Online Podcast. Once again, For everything Crimson Tide, you need to join us right there at BamaOnline.com. Hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans globally, not just in Alabama, not just in the Southeast, not just in the U.S. Globally, we are servicing Alabama fans. Hey, um, also, if you haven't already, if you wouldn't mind, a subscription to the Bama Online podcast would be greatly appreciated. If you would leave us a rating and a review while you're there, that would help us out tremendously as well. And we would certainly thank you for that additionally. Travis Schreier, once again, for the Bama Online podcast, stay tuned to BOL, and we'll catch up again right here on the pod real soon.